0: text and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, this morning we have a special uh, guest preacher uh, who'll be joining us uh, from all the way from Connecticut. Uh, the Reverend Brandy Drake is an associate pastor at Naroton Presbyterian Church in Darien, Connecticut, where I had served formerly. Um, I also want to add here that Brandy is a great friend and so uh, really looking forward to her sharing with us this morning and so welcome the Reverend Brandy Drake. Greetings, Knox Presbyterian Church in Seattle. I'm Brandy Drake. I'm one of the pastors at Naroten Church, and Jimmy and Andrea were with us from 2014 to 2020. We call him Pastor Jimmy, and we just miss him so much. I miss him every time my coworkers refuse to get fatty Mexican food for lunch when we're having a meeting. They're insisting on kale. I miss you, Jimmy. <laughs> I think of Jimmy every time I see a picture of an otter. Did you know that otters make terrible pets? I learned this from Jimmy. One day when we were driving north to a Presbyterian meeting, we passed a billboard for a zoo and there was a picture of an otter. And he said, you know, they're cute, Brandy, but they make terrible pets. like, what? What? <laughs> this is quintessential Jimmy. He was getting a toy otter for Rory. And then he thought, well, what if I got a pet otter for Rory? And then he started researching otters on the web. And before you know it, I'm listening to like 20 facts about otters on a car drive on our way up north in Connecticut. <laughs> I miss you, Jimmy. I miss you, Jimmy. And I'm grateful for where you are. 2020 has been quite a year, hasn't it? It feels like one thing after another, after another, after another. And at some point this summer, there was a woman in California swimming in a lava lake, and she was attacked by a rabid otter. I thought of Jimmy. Otters make terrible pets. (laughs) 2020. Sounded like it was gonna be a really awesome year, but boy, it sure wasn't. And we've come into this year, and Jimmy's come to you at such an interesting time, right? What a time to move across the country. And to move across the country, to go into a job that Jimmy of course loves, but it's an intense job. And there's a lot going on in the church and they can't even meet you. And you as a church, you're risking so much bringing in a new pastor. Wow, what a year, what a year. Well, once I learned that the otters were against us in 2020, and Jimmy and Andrea had gone, I realized that we were in real trouble. And I started with a mantra going through my head. Golly, I think we had a hurricane in July. And my mantra has become, I'm, I'm just not up for it. I'm just not up for it. One more shooting, one more virus mutation, one more conspiracy, one more storm or fire of mass destruction this is really hard. Well, Jesus knew that we were going to have to do really hard things. And he told his disciples just before his crucifixion that he's giving them one more command that they love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And I'm just, I'm not up for it. Does anybody else feel that way? I was on the phone with someone t- after a hurricane here in the summer, and they said, it's like I'm just waiting for the locust. <laughs> the other person said, yeah, and I'm gonna turn on the water and blood's gonna start coming out soon. And I asked a woman how she was doing recently, and she said to me, you know, I feel like I'm on a boat in the ocean and there's no rudder, and I only have one oar, and I keep paddling in circles, and there's no sail, I'm just not up for it. Well. The people who made up the church in Corinth were also just not up for it. They were at each other's throats. There was division in the community. There was resentment. People were suspicious of other people's motives. People were putting on airs, and they were talking about issues that were very practical, but making them hyper-spiritual. And instead of abiding in grace and love and loving each other, the people at Corinth were arguing all about who's right and who's wrong. And there was a lot of wrong. (laughs) And there were a lot of ideas about how to fix things. They were at it, hammer and tongs. So the apostle Paul knew that the people were going to be calling for him to take sides, to bring a solution, to tell the other people that they are wrong. <laughs> and instead, Paul came in and he talked to the church in Corinth about the common good. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he's talking about how each one of them has the manifestation of the spirit and it's given for the common good. Some people have prophecy, some speak in tongues, some have knowledge, some have wisdom. But these gifts alone, even though they're important, are only one of the oars that we should have in the water. Otherwise, we're going around in aimless circles, being tossed up on the waves. We're going to need something much bigger to keep us in that boat going in the right direction. And so 1 Corinthians 12 ends with the phrase, and yet I will show you the most excellent And that, my friends, brings us to the reading this morning, which is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will cease. As for tongues, they will be stilled. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Love never fails. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today, 2020, rabbit otters, I want us to look at our capacity to love and at our temptation to try to fix things without love. Love never fails. Thinking about that word fail. The word fail in the Greek is literally to fall down. Paul is saying love doesn't fall down. To descend from a higher place to a lower place. It can be a metaphor. To be cast down from a level of prosperity. To be removed from power. Love does not back down. It does not fall from power. It does not give in. It does not give up. Love is tough. It's like a weevil or a punching bag. In the immortal words of Chumbawamba, love gets knocked down, but it gets up again. Love is hearty, it's tough. It tells us to hope when all around is despair. It holds things together when we want to let go. Love says, you're not up for it, okay, I'll carry you. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy does not boast, it is not proud. It honors others, rejoices in the truth. It's not idealized, it's gritty, it's tough, it's raw. I may not be up for this, but love is. Meister Eckhart wrote, our sorrow is that we do not know that we are the generosity of God. Our sorrow is that we do not know that we are the generosity of God. I think we could replace the word generosity with love here. Our sorrow, so we do not know that we are the love of God. In that sorrow, we try to fix things in others that we think are wrong around us. We try the three things that Paul mentions, don't we? <laughs> with the elections up for grabs or with the last mass shooting, we try to prophesy, when is this going to be over? When are we gonna have a solution? When are we gonna be able to have a real meal together? What are we gonna do about school? And when are we gonna solve all these culture wars? As for tongues, they will be stilled. We are constantly trying to interpret the words of others. And there are so many words. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Prophecies, tongues, and knowledge draw from the deep well of God's love, but they are temporary in the ways that we are trying to control our environments. Love, well, love is much bigger than any other coping mechanism that we have. Russ Kane is a Presbyterian pastor in Colorado, and he says there's inner work that comes with love. He says, if we're going to do the work of tough love, we better be paying attention to the inside, because love is tough at any time, let alone the time that we're in right now, when it seems like we're flooded every day with all kinds of bad, bad news, when our buttons are being pushed and there are things happening that make us want to avert our eyes and just go away because we're just not up for it. The only way we have to get through abiding in this love that never fails is through the inner work. And we have two choices. The first choice is to somehow shape or craft our conditions so that they match our capacity, right? We gotta shape the environment and the people around us and the things that we watch and the things that we deal with so that they match and don't exceed our capacity to deal with it so we don't get our buttons pushed so often, so that we are in control of our environment. This approach allows me to try and use things like prophecy or knowledge, like the church in Corinth was using. Engaging in the world on the terms of the world. Not up for it? No problem. Find something that you're up for and deal with that. Find a reality that you can control So then we don't have to keep watching the inequities, or we can turn a blind eye when we see things like a shooting in Atlanta, or demonstrations spinning out of control, or another black man or woman shot while sleeping, running, driving, the atrocity of that over and over again. It's too much. So we don't watch, or we wouldn't think about it because it's uncomfortable and it's beyond our capacity. If we shape our environment so that the conditions meet our capacity, then what we have said in this season like this is that we're just not up for it. (laughs) We'll sit this one out, see on the other side. And of course, that first option is not what Christ is calling us to. The other option, of course, is somehow to enlarge our capacity in order to match the conditions. To do this inner work so that we begin to see what's around us and what buttons are getting pushed in us, and to ask the question, Where are we getting in the way of what love wants to do? Where are we getting in the way of what love wants to do? Remember, our sorrow is that we do not know that we are the love of God. Where am I? Where are you? Where are our churches getting in the way of what love wants to do? That's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? Now, this is where we are. This is where we can thrive even in the midst of tension. And when we do that, when we ask, then we get something to offer this world because it comes down to love. And this allows love to be our rudder, our center board, our oars. Of course we don't have the capacity to deal with what these times are calling for. Of course we're going to fail. Tough love is an art, it's a practice. And like all art and practice, It's when we fail that the real work can begin. And if history is any indication, what we're experiencing right now, enormous. Usually when things change so dramatically in society, things get very tumultuous and sometimes even worse before they get better. So it's when the easy love fails that the tough love, the agape love can begin. Only when easy love fails can tough love begin. It's only there where we begin to dig in and find and do the big work. Where am I getting in the way of what love wants to do? Where am I choosing to check out? Where do I find myself becoming short or rude or unkind? Where am I being a jerk? (laughs) You can ask the people around you, they'll tell you. Where are you being a jerk? And where do we need to get out of our own way so that the love of God can do something? It's a question we can ask ourselves as individuals, and it's a question that we can ask ourselves as a church. Where as a church community are we getting in the way of what love wants to do? That's a dangerous question. A couple of years ago, I shared an encounter that a pastor had with a man who'd been in recovery from substance abuse for a long time. They're talking about their higher power. And the man said to her, i don't know about your higher power my god is crazy about me my god is crazy about me now we like to throw around the phrase god loves you god tough loves you right god's capacity to love exceeds your ability and god loves you with that crazy about you love, not in a way of polite obligation or duty, not in a nice way that any of us can fathom or control. No, our God is crazy about us, each one of us, and also crazy about the church. I heard this, and I had a person I was having a hard time with in my life, and I decided, okay, next time I see this person, when they're talking and really pushing my buttons, In my mind, I'm going to start thinking, my God is crazy about you. My God is crazy about you. I did it. And as this person was talking to me and I was praying that prayer, I saw their countenance change. They softened. I noticed it. And it changed our relationship. It happens with individuals. It happens with churches. (laughs) Because you know what? Love, it never fails. And so, Jimmy, Knox Presbyterian Church, my prayer for you, my prayer for us at Neuroten, for myself, for our families, is that we will be able to look at each other and look at the world and see our God is crazy about you. And it's that kind of crazy that doesn't fail. That love never fails. May we be brave enough to ask where we are getting in the way of what love wants to do, especially at this impossible Easter time of celebration and resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, how much we say we love you and how small is our capacity. Increase our capacity to love, Lord, as individuals and as a church so that we might Bear out your command that we love one another, even as you have loved us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.